Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Hey, and welcome back to the Running After Age 40 podcast. This is episode 29. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am going to do a February research roundup, but I'm actually only going to go over one article today, and it was published in Arthroscopy, Sports Medicine, and Rehabilitation uh, in January of 2022. Uh, and the authors are from Gainesville, Florida, from the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at the University of Florida. Uh, and it's Heather Vincent, Michael Brownstein, and Kevin Vincent. And the article is actually entitled, Injury Prevention, Safe Training Techniques, Rehabilitation, and Return to Sport in Trail Runners. So I personally love trail running. I think it's my favorite, especially as I'm older. It feels much better on my joints. Uh, so I was intrigued by this, but I will say the article is relevant whether or not you run on pavement or the street all the time or you run predominantly on trails. Uh, the information is still uh, really valuable, especially for those of us trying to fight injuries, do anything that we can to prevent it and keep running uh, beyond the age of 40. So in this article, they do define trail running as a maximum of 20% pavement. Uh, and then they discuss, you know, the challenges specific to trail running, which are uh, variation in elevation, uh, the surfaces, uh, the climate change. It can be anything from desert to forest. Uh, and obviously, it's, you know, global throughout the United, throughout the world. There's all different kinds of trails and different ones. Uh, so what they did uh, in this particular publication is they looked all the way back to 1975 all the way to the present to evaluate the present prevalence or how common they occurred, the type and the mechanism of acute and chronic injuries in runners. And then the most uh, important to us is injury prevention techniques and then just safe participation techniques. So I'll start with their overall findings. So uh, irrespective, irrespective of the global location of the runner or the race or anything like that, the lower leg, the knee down to the foot is the most common region for both acute, which would be just like immediate, or chronic, which are those that don't go away, uh, injuries from running. So the ones that they stated, you know, are those probably that you can relate to, uh, patellofemoral pain, so that's in your knee, uh, muscle strains, especially calves and hamstrings, Achilles tendonitis, IT band syndrome, which is something I fought, uh, ankle sprains, which occur more in trail runners than those on the, pa- the roads, uh, plantar fasciitis, and then stress fracture. And out of all those, knee and ankle are the most common sites for overuse injury. And I thought it was notable that one out of five, or a little bit over one out of five, had IT band syndrome and about 10% had Achilles problems. 
Uh, some unique aspects of trail running that they noted that I wanted to point out because I thought the over 40 crowd might find these relevant. You know, you have to be really uh, responsive. So it's good for our brain to do hard things, right? And you have to have rapid cognitive processing of the environment, uh, really responsiveness to the variation of the ground service. And for stability purposes, runners on the trails need to have balance and fast neuromotor responses. So I think, you know, those do apply to the trails, but I mean, I do think they apply more to some to street running as well, just not as much. Uh, and the other thing they point out with trail running is that the downhill running in particular requires more repetitive braking and can be really hard on the body. So let's get to injuries. Uh, One thing that they note is that the trail surface material, whether it was gravel, dirt, or paving, are not associated with any kind of different tibial forces, and they're not likely a primary injury mechanism. So I find that interesting because I always feel like my legs feel better when I'm running on the soft surfaces. But I think what they point out is that's probably a problem with me. Uh, And they say that inadequate dynamic strength or abnormal motions of your loaded joints are the problem, not the surface. Uh, The other thing they point out is fatigue. So when you are tired, you have a longer stance time during the cycle, uh, like during your gait cycle. And then what happens with that is you have more stress on your muscles. So what does that mean? It means that the longer that you're running and the more tired that you get, the more you have to focus on your form and really think about it and think about, um, is, am I starting to lean forward? Is my head starting to stick out? Is my butt starting to stick out? You know, and really focus on your form. Uh, what they said is that when you're running tired, that the impact peaks and loading rates actually increase by 6 to 11%. That's huge. Uh, so what does that do? That creates more force changes at the knee and the ankle and the foot. Uh, so how can you combat that? Uh, again, focusing in your head and just checking in on yourself and seeing, like, am I starting to slouch? Uh, and they say that better stability after landing and a higher hamstring to quad ratio of strength and your core gets super important. And I'm going to talk about a, sp- a few specific exercises, too, in a second here. Uh, they do say, like, when I'm talking about moving forward, I'm talking about, like, that slow. <laughs> I always think that it's like when you're seeing an older person like when I'm when I'm running by and then I can see myself like in a reflection and I look like I'm forward leaning they're saying that a forward trunk lean of just three percent is associated with a higher risk of injury and that if you have a lateral pelvic drop and an anterior pelvic tilt that's related to calf strain uh, and that it can also be associated with IT band syndrome, knee problems, and even Achilles problems. So how can you combat that pelvic drop? Um, that would be glute stability and hip abductor exercises uh, and doing them all the time. Uh They talk about the muscle strength quite a bit, but they also do address stiffness. And the way they define muscle stiffness is the ability of a muscle to resist deformation with an applied force. 
So they say that like the high joint stiffness is related to an injury risk at the knee, the Achilles and the quads. Um, and you can correct that in real time. Like if you do feel yourself getting really tired and your form starts to just kind of fall apart, just take smaller steps and work on bringing your hips back in, you know, so that your butt's not sticking out and that will help. Um, the other thing that they note is like just if you think about your head and your, um, I'm trying to think of how to describe this the best way, um, to make sure you're standing up straight, like push your head backwards almost, um, like you're pushing it backwards against a wall. And that kind of brings all your center of gravity back where it needs to be. Uh, they talk about, you know, still we're in 2022, right? And there's so much conflicting evidence on how and when and what to stretch. So what they emphasize is that hamstring flexibility may lower the risk of lower leg injuries, but their biggest proposal is doing a dynamic warm-up and not stretches, but more things like A-skips, walking lunges, standing hip in and out circles, hip swings, a lot of hip things here. Uh, inchworm walkouts, which can, which can be really good on the back. Um, so I think, you know, those all kind of stuck out to me as easy things to do when you're getting go, like before you get going on the run. Um, and not just, you know, the, the, the typical hamstring f- stretch where you see a runner just kind of trying to stretch their hamstrings in that old fashioned way. So more of a dynamic warm up. Uh, one thing that I forget and I think they point out is that foot strength is really important and that the foot muscles store and strain energy and then they return elastic energy. Uh, so they our arch stiffness changes and uh, we get sensorial feedback. So what they say is to make sure that you do your foot exercises barefoot, both standing and seated. And so if you're at the gym, this might be kind of awkward to like go barefoot. So these might be better to do at home. But they give some specific examples, you know, things like calf raises, calf taps with your heel down. So just bringing your toes up and down. But again, this is barefoot, Uh, plantar arch raises, and then seated. Maybe you could do this while you're at work, I guess. But again, you'd have to take your shoe off. Um, Grabbing a cotton ball with your toes or a ball, like a pen, like an ink pen, um, and then keeping your heel fixed on the ground, but trying to pick that up. Um, you'd be surprised at how hard that is. Uh, doing spreaded toe walks with you know your toes out and in. And again, these are all barefoot. Uh, so they talk about how those can actually really prevent injury. Uh, we talked a little bit about the core and the trunk stability, but I'll emphasize what their specific recommendations are. Uh, they state to do those kind of exercises at least three to four times per week, and you will see benefit, you know, in as soon as six weeks, um, but really maximum, not maximum, but really start to see good benefits at 14 weeks. Uh, a Bosu ball is something they recommend or a wobble board. And if you don't have one of those, uh, you can also close your eyes and do, you know, balance exercises. And I'm talking about things like just standing on one foot with your butt tucked in, your stomach tucked in, your head back, good posture, little things like that. Um, a BOSU ball or the wobble board obviously are even better. You can do almost any of your exercises on those. 
Uh, They do specifically address pilometrics, and they state that the pilometrics can reduce ground reaction forces by like 16% over six to nine weeks. Um, The biggest thing they say with that is just things like one leg, single leg hops. So that's super easy. Uh, And when you do them to put your hands over your head, uh, and that way, when you do it, you have good posture. Uh, and you know, their biggest thing about injury prevention is to, to do it in prevention. Like don't wait until you're injured to start doing this stuff, do it beforehand and you can really make a big difference. Uh, I wanted to point out a little bit of what they talk about for rehabilitation, because they say that, you know, up to 79% of runners are affected by pain. And I mean, my guess is it's closer to 100% if you really did the um, data right. But most of us don't know how to interpret pain or to figure out if we should keep training. Uh, So the rules that they state are, first of all, if you have pain that's increasing while you're running or changes in quality from achy to sharp. So if it's just kind of like an achy thing, but then it really gets sharp, that you should stop immediately. Uh, If you have joint pain that lingers or if it increases uh, 24 hours after a run, this means that your volume, like your training, was excessive and you need to scale it back. Uh, If you rated your pain of like less than three and you're like, so I can still go out for a run because that's not bad. Like, that's fine. Um, But it goes up and it persists. um, And then they say to stop. And then the other thing that I think is really important, the fourth rule they state is that if your pain is causing you to have compensation in your running form, uh, so kind of like sticking your hip out or limping a little bit um, or dropping a foot, then you really need to reconsider and take a a bit of a break. Um, they have a lot about return to running that I don't think is anything most of us don't know, except for, you know, the typical walk-run program. And I did like how they point out the lot, one of the last things that you should do is incorporate hills, especially the downhills, since they have such a hard impact on us. So that was kind of the summary there. Overall, I think it was a really great article. And if you pull it up, um, it's free to access. And in figure two, they've got specific examples and they, they break them down into flexibility, neuromuscular strengthening and balance, and then pilometrics. So for flexibility, it's not going to be what you expect. And I already stated these once, but I'll say them again. It's doing high knees. Those are also known as A-skips. So literally, that's just going back and forth, bringing your knees up. Uh, Hip circles in and out. Uh, Walking lunges. uh, Hip swings. Those are just side to side, like sticking your leg out. Just make sure you squeeze your glute and keep your uh, belly tucked in. And then uh, hip swings front to back. And then the inchworm is something that feels so good, especially after a run, but they're saying to do it before. And it's basically standing up tall, bending over, you walk out like you're an inchworm and you walk back in. Uh, for B, they have, and it's it's called A, B, and C in here. So neuromuscular strengthening and balancing. And that's where I'm saying, make sure you do that barefoot, toe grabs, uh, single leg bridging and being on an unstable surface. Uh, deadlifts, Nordic curls, single leg squats. And it's uh, great to do these if you can with your eyes closed. Uh, Squats and then deadlifts. Those were for neuromuscular strengthening and balance. And then finally for the pilometrics, they say single leg hops or jumps. 
side to side, uh, squats and jumping squats, uh, scissor jumps, which are basically like kind of like jumping lunges, and then tuck jumps are really good too. Uh, so those were some takeaways there. Uh, and again, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway for me and I'll say it one more time, is just don't stop the injury prevention. Keep it up throughout the year. These things apply to not just trail running, but to all running. So that was the quick review uh, from February Research Running. I probably will do a more comprehensive look at data um, published in January, February, and March, uh, and just do a a kind of a roundup of all of them, but this article just really caught my eye, and I wanted to do more of a deep dive. I, uh, for those of you who don't know, I took a new uh, j- job, and so that's why the podcast is a little bit behind. I've got a lot of people I want to interview, but I'm just trying to fit it in my schedule right now. Uh, so as time allows, I will get back to that too. But thank you for your patience, and just thank you for your support. The podcast has grown way more than I ever anticipated, and I just love creating a community for the over 40 crowd. Uh, So make sure if you get a chance, like rate us on iTunes, even just giving us, even if you don't write the uh, review up, just giving us a rating really helps the show get shown and share it with your friends if you like what you hear. And make sure that uh, you listen to our episode about the four superfoods because as springtime comes and we all want to bump up our running, uh, it's really important to watch what we eat and just do all the injury prevention that we can. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.